Well, today we're going to complete the three, third week of a three-week sermon series that I've been doing. Sermon series are not things I do commonly. I can't honestly remember the last time I, I did a sermon series, uh, but it felt right time and place. And my prayer is that you will begin to, um, to, to grow and be blessed as you really press into what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. It's a lot, of, a lot of ink that Paul spilt for this issue, and this comes up over and over again. It's a, it's a major thing for Paul because he sees it fundamentally as something the Lord Jesus taught. Remember Jesus, he quotes Jesus in Acts 20, blessed are, more blessed to give than to receive. And, and, he, and so Paul is caring for Jesus' teaching. He sees it as fundamental to discipleship that we learn to be generous, that we understand that. I don't know if it's happening for you. I can testify today that it's happening in my life. Um, I don't know about your family, but in my family, my wife tends to be the spender and I tend to be the saver. And, uh, and, and we've worked that out, and she knew I was going to say that, so you can go ahead and look over there, but she's, she's good with it. And, uh, and so we kind of learned that's the pattern of our lives and stuff like that. So, so one of the problems with being a spender is sometimes you overspend. Sometimes the problem with being a saver is you oversave, that you tend to be a hoarder and a holder backer. That's not a word, but I just made it up. I remember years ago, we sold a house, and Jody said, we should tithe off our house, and I want to tithe to Young Life. I want to send Young Life scholarships to students, and I said, we already give to the church. Thank you very much, and I won't tell you how much we gave, but I mean, she helped me sell it. She's the salesperson. You, if you probably, if you're around here, you know that Jody's the saleswoman extraordinaire, and so I said, okay, go ahead and bless them, but I wasn't really blessing them in my heart. I was just, I was just you know, going along with it. And uh, I have these two Young Life mugs. They are the most expensive coffee mugs I ever received. I got two of them because I gave so, we gave so much. And I look at them and I think, man, that is an expensive coffee mug. But, um, but the Lord's been, do- I, so I share that only to say the Lord's been doing something in me over the course of the, the sermon series because I, I, I found myself, we've been tithers for years, but it's been, it has been a, a, a generosity that I began to feel in my mind and spirit, um, even in just little things, you know, buying somebody's lunch or, or being the first person to want to take meals to somebody that's in need. And that's not something that I normally do. I, I, to be honest with you, I was convicted by what the, remember the parable from last week that I couldn't talk about because we had too much to say, but the parable Jesus tells about the Pharisee and the tax collector and the Pharisee sits there and basically his prayer to God is, thank you for not making me like that miserable sinning tax collector in the back. Isn't it interesting that Zacchaeus, the tax collector, is the star of Jesus' story today in the gospel. But the tax collector is, is just saying, Lord, thank you for not making me like that terrible, rotten tax collector. And, he's, and he says something that was just so convicting to me. He says, I tithe of everything I have. And I thought, man, wow, how easy is that for me to be that guy? I, I'll do what God requires, but, but because I love God and because I want to be obedient. But, but, but it's clear the tax collector 
is, 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 is not somebody that the, the Pharisee has any compassion for, any generosity in his heart for. And, and the Lord began to say, I want us not simply to be people who tithe because it's what you're supposed to do, but people who give with a sense of generosity. And I want to be that kind of person. And so that's been overflowing in me. So whether or not it's producing fruit in you yet, it's producing fruit in me. And I, I want to give thanks to the Lord and testify to that um, because I can be a person who, who holds on and Let's my wife be the giver and me the, the holder backer. Again, I just coined those phrases, so if you want to use them, you have to pay me. But I will promise to give out of the richness of your gifts back to the work of the Lord. All right, enough of that. Reviewing just where we've been the last couple of weeks, we started in chapter 8. I, I've been reminding you that discipleship, that part of discipleship is learning to be generous, being generosity. After all, the gospel is about generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave. He was generous. He was merciful to us through Jesus Christ and his willingness to go to the cross. Christ, who didn't consider equality with God to be grasped, but emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. Paul says it reflects that Jesus became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. So generosity is, is uh, at the heart of discipleship. We have to learn it. And then, of course, Paul reminds the, the, the church that, that the Macedonian churches were, their money had actually become acts of grace. It become living grace to people who are in need and to see that our money is not something just for us to consume and to take care of our needs, but that in the hand, when we give it to the Lord, when we lift it up to the Lord, it actually can be transformed into something that is a, a form of grace in the life of somebody else. And that's, that's just an amazing thought to, to think about. And, and if you've ever been on the receiving end of the grace of God, through somebody else's generosity. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, today Paul wants to wrap up. He's kind of coming to the end of, of the teaching here. So we're looking at chapter 9. And I want to, uh, just, to just to show you, just to take that, those verses there that you've got in your, um, your insert or in the Bible, and, in the Pew Bible, but to remind us of what Paul says as he wraps up these thoughts. And he begins by just saying that very common expression that we've heard, you reap what you sow. He says, if you reap, you know, sparingly, you will, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. And we tend to use that expression as in the negative. Well, you're going to reap what you sow, right? I may have heard that over the last couple of weeks or so. But, but you know, and it's in a negative context. You're going to reap what you sow. But I just remind you that Jesus uses it in the positive sense. If you, if you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. He wants us to think in terms of that. And that word, uh, that word bountifully is actually with blessing. That's what the Greek word means, with blessing. That if you sow with blessing, you're going to receive with blessing. If you sow sparingly, you're, you're going to receive fewer blessings. And, and um, you know, the, this idea of seed, you know, seed, we can, we can crush seed and we can eat it. Or we can hoard it, we can put it in our, in our storehouses, but, but seed was meant for sowing. And I think that's why Paul and Jesus often uses the, the, the parable, the, the analogy of the sowing of seed, because it's this idea that, we are, that seed is meant to be sown. 
that we're, we're meant to spend. This is completely counter to the, the prosperity gospel that oftentimes is, takes verses like this and twists them to suggest that we give so that we can get. But that's not what the scriptures tell us. That's what Paul's been saying in chapter 8 and chapter 9, that, that we are given so that we'll be blessed to give even more. Paul says in Thessal- in Thessalonica, to the Thessalonica church, he says, you should work so that you'll have something to give to those who are in need. It's, it's being blessed to give more, not simply to consume or to hoard up. So today Paul wants to kind of wrap up around this, and so he begins by that. So th- here's the bottom line. What you, what you, you will reap what you sow, and, and are, are you going to be a person who comes into sense of generosity through that. Now, I can hear Paul almost saying, uh, hearing the questions. Remember, this is a letter he's writing to the Corinthian church. It's a response to letters they've written to him. And Paul is probably prompted by the Holy Spirit, is thinking about the things that are on their minds. And so the first question I think Paul begins to say is that they're, ask, they think they're asking is, well, Paul, how much should we give? I mean, you know, Zacchaeus gives half of all of his possessions and then says, if I've wronged anyone, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give back fourfold. How much should we give, Paul? And, you know, trying to get a limit. And, and Paul doesn't give them an amount. Notice that, and, it, and I'll make this point. The word tithe really doesn't appear in the New Testament, except for like in situations where Jesus quotes it on the lips of Pharisees. Paul instead says, every one of us must decide in our own hearts what we'll give. We have to give not out of compulsion or um, out of reluctancy, but um, we're to give as, as one is decides in their hearts. Each family or each individual should, should give what God tells them to give. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. This is actually a quote from the Old Testament from Exodus. And what God says in Exodus is, give, and when you give, be cheerful about it, which is a very different connotation from what we have here. I don't think that, that, our, our, that we, we should look at it and go, well, I'm not cheerful about giving anything, so I'm not going to give anything. So, I mean, it, it's, our, our, our desire should be, if we're people of the gospel, should be to, that we would create more generosity, that God would make us more generous people. That's my desire to be a more generous person, to, to learn to be more like my wife and how she can give freely from, from, from what, we, what God has given us. To be more generous should be something that we desire, but that at the, at the end of the day, we should be giving out of a sense of a cheerfulness, out of a sense of joy. There should be a, a, a love for it that we should give, and we shouldn't give beyond that. And if, and if that's where we are, we start there and say, Lord, I'm not cheerful about giving at all, and then begin to let the Holy Spirit work on our hearts and see if he will not begin to, to change us to see, to see uh, what the Lord is trying to bring about in our lives. So that's the first question I hear. Um, I don't want to be like that Pharisee from the parable last week. I want to I be one who who learns to be cheerful in my giving, and I believe the Lord's doing that in me, and I hope he's doing it in you as well. The second question I hear Paul answering is, well, Paul, how can I give? I have so little. And, and I oftentimes, and I said this last week, that oftentimes, you know, as modern Americans, we put ourselves in places of debt. We carry way too much debt, 
And, and so we find ourselves in a sort of a, a deficit economy where we really aren't making enough to pay even our debts. And, and you're talking about giving and generous giving and how, how do we do that? And I think Paul is, uh, recognizes that, but he, Paul wants to turn it around. And he does that there as he begins to speak to the, to, the, to, the, um, to the Corinthians. He begins to remind them of what God has given to them. God will be able, verse 8, to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound to give good work, to every good work. It seems to me that Paul is, is turning it around and reminding them that, that we, rather than, than being uh, fixated on what we don't have or fearful of what might happen in the future, that we are to live out of being thankful, thankful people. And I said this last week, you know, that... that um, this, this idea that somehow we're self-made, that, that what we've earned, the money, the, the material things we have is something that we've done in ourselves. Everything is a gift from the Lord. Our intellect, our strength, our, 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 our get up and go, our, you know, our, our, our sense of accomplishment, and our drive and our motivation, all those things that we think are ours are all gifts from the Lord. And and at the end of the day, I, I love what Tim Keller says. Just no matter how, how you know, he's, Tim Keller preaches to, to, to the, the brightest that are working in New York City, making their mark on the world. And, and Tim Keller says, look, no matter how bright you are, how strong you are, how industrious you are, how determined you are to succeed, if you were born in Nepal today, you would be poor. Regardless of all of those things you just named, there's, there's nothing you could do. Everything we have is a gift from the Lord. And, and so we live out of a sense of gratefulness that all that we have, that we're, that, that, and, 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 and we recognize that and we, we live by faith in the idea that God has given us everything that we need. That he's given us all sufficiency. Maybe not all we want. I may not get that Tundra four-door, you know, sport package but he's given me everything I need. His, his provision for me is sufficient. And Paul is reminding the, the Corinthians that they need to live out of that. So it really doesn't become a part of a thing of, 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 of giving how much. It's, it's about giving out of a sense of thankfulness. I, um, I had a, a young guy, um, young professional guy come to me years ago and said, I need, to, I need to talk to you. And I said, can we, can we meet for lunch? And I go, sure. I, you know, I, I have these meetings fairly frequently, so I never know what's coming. And, uh, and, and this, this one, though, caught me completely off guard. He, we went to Five Guys, um, Burgers and Fries. Anyway, and uh, we, we're sitting there and we're, and we're talking and I'm, I'm ready for, you know, anything. And he goes, I think I need to quit my job and I need to become a lawyer. I said, okay, why? And he goes, and, and this was his motivation. And he said, I need to become a lawyer so I can make a lot of money. And I said, okay, why? He said, well, because then I can give a lot of money to the church. And I thought, okay. And I, you know, we began to have this conversation about it. And the, sometimes the Holy Spirit just kind of comes on you and you, you know what to say, something maybe that you wouldn't expect to say. It just kind of flows out. But the Lord just really gave me a presence and I was able to say to this young man, I said, well, let me ask you a question. In your present job, which was not, not, a, not a lawyer, obviously, because he wanted to become a lawyer, but I said, are you giving now financially? And he said, well, 
no, because we don't have enough money to give. And I said, well, with all due respect, if it's hard for you to write a check for $50, it's going to be really hard to write a check for $500. And if it's hard for you to write a check for $500, it's really going to be hard for you to give a check for $5,000. You see, we have this idea that if we just made enough, if we just got enough, that we would give, we would give freely. But the reality is, the bigger the check, the harder it is to write. Everybody that's got money knows that and will tell you that. Generosity is born in being faithful in the little things, giving thanks for what we have and the sufficiency of God meeting my needs today, believing that my trust is in him, that he'll provide for me. And then as he grows our income, so grows our faith because we see it as a blessing from him and not something that we've made in and of ourselves. Lord, you have given me all that I need. Help me to live out of that. And then Paul quotes Psalm 112, which is that piece of section, if you're looking at the bulletin insert that's kind of inserted in there, Paul quotes, and at first when I read that, I thought, oh, he's talking about God. He distributed freely. He has given the gifts given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. But when you actually read Psalm 112, guess what? It's not talking about God at all. It's talking about the righteous man. And if you read through it, it could almost be like another whole sermon on generosity because central to this righteous person that the psalmist is describing is that they're generous, that they give freely. You know, this is the reason our Old Testament lesson is such a slap in the face. Do you notice that God refers to Israel as Sodom and Gomorrah? And basically says, you need to learn to do good. You need to learn to seek justice. You need to learn to care for the poor, take care of the orphan and the, and the widow. And, and, and so what, what, what God is saying through Isaiah is, you need to, to, to become a person who cares about things that the Lord cares about. And you, right now, you're no better than Sodom and Gomorrah. Because you don't have a sense of understanding of God's heart towards generosity. Paul says, don't worry about how little you've got. Give out a thankfulness that God has met. There's a book called When Helping Hurts that um, a lot of us have read in regarding to ministry, outreach in our city, among the poor, to those who are displaced. And one of the points this book makes, there's actually three extra copies back in the narthex. So if you want to grab one, I, I, just, I pick up those books whenever I find them. And, and it talks about this idea that the problem is that poverty is a psychological condition as much as a, a material condition. And so one of the things that, that, is, that is helpful is when you're helping somebody is for them to have skin in the game and for them to, to have some investment in it, to, to realize that they also can contribute. We took a mission trip to Nicaragua, and, and it was an American team. We carried about you know, most of the money and most of the resources because we talked a team down there, but we worked alongside the Nicaraguans, and they had to contribute 10% of the cost of the project. Why? So they'd have skin in the game so they'd have they'd have ownership they'd have a part in it and they would begin to break this cycle of psychological poverty that helps us to see that not let's don't look at what we don't have let's look at what we do have and begin to live out of a thankfulness and to see that God is the one who is sufficient to meet all of our needs well lastly I hear Paul answering a question what difference will my little amount make? And I love the way Paul addresses this in verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread 
for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increasing the harvest of your righteousness. Again, it's not about sowing to get. It's about sowing to be a blessing. He will multiply your seed, verse 10, for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Paul says, as you give, sacrificially, as you have, unto the Lord with a cheerful heart, God takes those gifts and he multiplies them. Just this week, we had an occasion for that. We, we found out there was an email blitz that came out. Gainesville Community Ministry is one of the ministries we serve here locally. They serve the poor in our community. And Michael, the director, sent an email out saying that the food bank was pretty much barren. It, we had, they had exhausted all their supplies. And the, what happens in, in situations where there's a, a hurricane in the Bahamas or, or in Panama City, Florida, or, or or Puerto Rico, is that oftentimes good folks begin to say, well, the greater need is in Puerto Rico, or the greater need is in the Bahamas. And so they divert their giving away from local ministries, and they give instead to these other ministries. And it's, it's a good work they're doing. God bless them for supporting these folks that have been displaced. But it ends up that the, the, the local outreach ministries suffer. And so Michael was just saying, we're, we're in desperate need. And I don't know about you, but it'd be hard for me to write a check for $500 to say, go buy some food to give to the poor. But as a church, our mission team met in kind of an emergency meeting and said, we want to give $500 immediately. We want to give it right now to meet the need. Michael can go to the Bread of the Mighty Food Bank, and he can buy a pound of food for 10 cents. So just think about how many pounds, I'm not a mathematician, so how many pounds can $500 buy? A lot. The mathematicians will tell us. Jeremy will tell me later how many pounds that is. But just think about that. Maybe you just gave a dollar. But how much, because God has generously given to the Bread of the Mighty Food Bank, people have given to them, they can then sell food for 10 cents a dollar. Think about, just that's a very practical, one small way that practically your money is, ma- is multiplied. And the Lord is saying unto, unto the Corinthians through Paul, and this is the way the Lord does, he will multiply your generosity if you but open your hand, if you but elite, release your, uh, to have faith to trust in him, and watch what he will do. Paul wraps up his words to the Corinthians by basically saying, here's the bottom line, and he says this uh, in verses 11 to, to, and 12. He says, look, your, your, your generosity will be a blessing to you. It will be a blessing to the person that receives it. It will be a blessing to God. Paul says that as we give generously, God, it will result in thanksgiving to God, which blesses God, and then ultimately it will bless the church. He says all of that to them. But finally, he comes to the end and he says, verse 13, but ultimately, they will glorify God because of the submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Ultimately, we don't give down to others in need. We give up to the Lord. We give in response to the Lord. And as we respond to him in submission, that's the, that's, that will ultimately where our motivation comes. That's where it comes for Zacchaeus. I don't want to be like the Pharisee in the, in the parable Jesus told last week. I want to be like Zacchaeus who recognizes 
where he's come from and the mercy of God that's been shown to him. And he gives out of that. He gives up to the Lord out of a sense of that. I remember, come back to what Pastor Carl said on our men's retreat a few weeks ago. The fact that I'm standing here is nothing short of a miracle. Knowing where I've been and the things I've done and, and the mistakes I've made and the sins I've committed, it's nothing short of a miracle that I'm here. It's God's mercy on my life. And when, when, I, can, when I can come back to that, that, that rock-bottom recognition, then I ra- realize that everything I have is a gift from him. And he has been such a merciful God to me that I can't but want to respond as Zacchaeus does and say, Lord, I, I don't want to just give 10%. I want to give as much as I humanly possibly can because I trust in you and because you've been so good to me. Now, you may be thinking, you know, Alex, God has not been that merciful to me. Well, then, in that moment, I say humbly, you, you don't yet know the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And, and I, my prayer is, and, and first of all, I'd say, Keep your checkbook closed, keep your wallet shut, but explore the good news of Jesus Christ. Because when you come to that realization that God has been infinitely merciful to you, you will know the generosity that Zacchaeus knows and that many of us in this room know. It's no wonder that Paul concludes by saying, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. God has been good. He is a merciful and generous God. And our response is simply following where he leads. Let me pray. Gracious Father, nothing gets Closer, maybe, than our children, Lord, to us, to the very heart of who we are, to talk about our money. And so, Father, I pray that as we, we really spend time, Lord, as we have, have stopped here and paused over these three weeks, Lord, that you will continue to speak to our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would um, speak to every human man, woman, child in this room, Lord, and beyond. I thank you for teaching me about generosity, Lord. I pray that you'll continue to teach us what Jesus meant when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Father, we trust you. We want to be a generous congregation. We want to be those that seek to share and express your gift of mercy and grace and generosity to the world around us. Lord, continue to do your work in us. We, we do give you thanks and praise. In Christ's holy name, amen.